Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, each and every day on the I Work Ram Show, we bring on guests that will challenge the way you think and will also inspire you by their testimony. Today, we're going to do both. Joining us in the studio today, we have Mac and Pam Tennant. They've been friends of ours, of Martha's and mine, for over a decade. In fact, I think, didn't Martha sign your kids up into school when you guys first moved down to Florida, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so we've we've no, we've been connected. Our family's been connected for a long time, and Mac and Pam have fantastic testimonies on how God's been using them outside of their workplace, but also inside of the workplace as they minister to retired folks each and every day through the pro, through a uh, a program called Reverse Mortgages. And so many people don't understand them. I thought it'd be great to not only bring them on the show today and talk about how God's using them to minister to retired folks, but also for you to hear the inspiring stories of how God's been using them on the mission field in some pretty unusual places, which they can't mention the names for, otherwise they'd have to kill us all. So in efforts to not kill anybody, we'll keep names and places hidden. Mac and Pam Tennant, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be here. It is awesome to just have you guys in a studio. Can you just share, Mac, today, how is Christ making a difference in your life? I have to say, from my pre-walk with the Lord to today, I have to say, how isn't he making a difference? It it's, uh, really is night and day. And uh, the uh, 
there's a verse we're, we're studying uh, Revelation at, at, in BSF right now. And yes, we are all year. I've heard it's fantastic. It, it, so far, so good. Uh, there's a verse in there that has hit me, uh, really convicted me about. He's, ta- he's addressing one of the churches in the the seven churches and says that I know your latter works exceed your your first. And it really struck me yesterday, actually during a, a sermon that that. Uh, it's easy when you're when we first started walking with the Lord because neither of us were raised in the church. Uh, we started walking with the Lord. It was quite easy. We had that fire of the Holy Spirit. It was easy to be motivated and and uh, works came so naturally. And the idea to have that fire today that it would exceed that original fire. That's how what I take from that verse. Uh, it's an amazing thing because what what happens after we get that initial fire, all of a sudden the world starts attacking us because the world doesn't, I mean, the enemy absolutely does not want us to relish in our faith in Christ. And so they're constantly sending bombardments. And you guys have had some business bombardments in your life, but the Lord has landed you in this field called reverse mortgages. How long has it been? It's, it's our, Has it been a decade already? It's our 11th year, yeah. 11 yeah. years already. So. Yeah. What's really unusual is that 11 years ago, a lot of people had no idea what reverse mortgages were, and a lot they were kind of demonized, for lack of a better word, in the media as being a tool to take advantage of old people. But that's never been what it's about. And so I want to focus the beginning part of our discussion, not in your faith. We're going to get into that You know, probably after the bottom of the half hour. We'll really start talking about how God's been using you guys and stretching you through short-term missions trips. But let's talk about reverse mortgages, because most people don't understand them, and I mean, the, the basic, no, I'm not going to give the basic premise. You give me the basic premise. What is the basic premise of a reverse mortgage? First, let me clarify something you, you mentioned about we work with retired people. Well, it, it's not seniors. It's not retired people. It's I like to call us people in the third trimester of our life. Okay. <laughs> However uh, you want to put it. At but least, they have to be 65 or older, right? No, one spouse has to be 62. One spouse has to be, So that's different because when we first talked about it, you mentioned 65 to me. So it's 62 and maybe I just memorized it wrong. So, okay, so 62. Uh, one spouse has to be 62. The other uh, now can be down as, long, as young as 18, actually. But uh, we won't go we there. We want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a reverse mortgage is, is very misunderstood by many people, even... Even uh, pr- many professionals uh, don't understand how they work. The, the people tend to way overthink a reverse mortgage. A reverse mortgage is simply a mortgage. You're going to use your house as collateral to borrow money. You'll get a statement in the mail each month, just like you would with a traditional mortgage. Uh, like a traditional mortgage, the statement will tell you how much you owe, will tell you how much interest was charged last month. The first big difference with a reverse mortgage is you have no obligation to pay anything when you get that statement. So the statement comes the next month and the interest that was charged but not paid last month is added to the balance so you owe a little bit more so it just goes on like that as long as you live in the house and there's no transfer of ownership anymore that than there would be with a regular mortgage we're talking about reverse mortgages i got this verse for you hebrews 3 4 for every house is built by someone but the builder of all things is god so talk to me about how God put together the reverse mortgage. <laughs> okay. Uh, interesting. So reverse mortgage is... There's been... Let's ten, just do some real-life examples. Okay. okay. So I've got... Let's just say it's my mom. She's got a $300,000 house, and I say, hey, you should at least talk to Mac. Let's find out what he's got to say. So Mac comes in. What do you say? Okay, so... She has, we're assuming at this point she has no mortgage. Or no she mortgage, may, correct. But no in, mortgage. in this example, she has no mortgage. So we can do a couple of things for her. We can 
we get it. We set up a reverse mortgage as a home equity line of credit, just like you get from the bank. Uh, a couple of key differences when uh, the amount she can borrow might be less with a reverse mortgage. Typically, for a 62-year-old, it's about 50%. So we might be able to get her 150,000. Okay. For an 80-year-old, we could probably get 200,000 in that range. Um, it's just a line of credit. If she needs to draw on it, if she has uh, a cash need, she can borrow from it. Uh, that's one option. Another option we could set up, uh, uh, take that line of credit and convert it to a lifetime monthly income payment for her where funds would be transferred into a bank account automatically every month, guaranteed for the rest of her life, uh, actually up to age 130, they'll, they'll still pay it. If uh, uh, she lives beyond that, then they would stop it. But uh, So that would be the two options for somebody like that. Or the third would be if she needed some lump sum distribution, possibly somebody... Um, ran up credit cards to send their grandchild to college. We've, we've seen that situation, medical bills, um, any, any kind of use. There's no real restriction on use of the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other, and that, that's basically how it goes. So okay. she would- so You're giving people access to the equity in their home without having to sell their home or take out a traditional mortgage where they got to make payments. Exactly. There's no transfer of ownership. They, she would only owe the money she had borrowed plus whatever interest has been accumulating over the time she had the, the money out there. So, Like a mortgage, is it a fixed interest rate or is it a variable interest rate? Most reverse mortgages are adjustable. We do have fixed. Uh, the fixed has some drawbacks to it, though. We don't sell many of them. Up until uh, last year, the, the adjustable wasn't as good as it is now. Uh, the Today, the adjustable we have, uh, rates start very low in the, the low twos even, um, and then it can't change more than 5% over the lifetime. Uh, a lot of them can't change more than 2% in any one year. So a very stable product. They're tied to LIBOR, mm-hmm. which is what banks charge each other, basically. And if you look at the history of LIBOR, it's really been quite stable. So the uh, thing with an adjustable mortgage on a reverse mortgage also, it's not as onerous as on a uh, traditional mortgage because you're not making the payment. So rates will go up and they'll come down. But if you look at the history of rate spikes, they've been that. They've been spikes. Even mm-hmm. 1982, when Prime hit 22%, uh, rates went up, but the 30-day Treasury was the index at the time. It was only over 15%, I think, one month, and 90 days later, it was back into the normal range. So, uh, adjust. Most of them are adjustable. The advantage of the adjustable, you, it's a, it is an actual line of credit. You can borrow it, pay it back, repay it. If you don't use it, uh, if you don't use the line of credit, they increase it every year too, which is pretty cool. So. It, talk about who it's designed for. I mean, your typical client that you're dealing with each and every day, who's it designed for? Because I know it's not it's not for everybody, but, but who's the perfect client for it? So, again, 10, 10 years ago, it was granny got in trouble with the credit cards. That was the typical uh, scenario, and that's that was really the— Why the, do they always pick on granny? Doesn't grandpa ever spend too much money? <laughs> uh, it's Pam's laughing, point. and she's yeah. being quiet. Okay. Uh, the uh, uh, typical scenario— and the perception was that it was a rescue tool. Today, that's really not the case. The, the typical borrower is somebody who's been referred by their financial planner uh, to look at a reverse mortgage as a way to give them a backup line of credit or maybe pay off an existing mortgage, uh, which has the impact of improving their cash flow. They have no mortgage payment anymore. Uh, or um, somebody that uh, maybe has a need for some cash. Maybe they've run up some credit cards. That you see that. But... Uh, the, it's part of a, a financial planning tool. So in that respect, as a generation, I'm a baby boomer. Our generation does not have enough money to retire on. That's just a fact. And what we do have 
is very much tied up in, in our homes. Uh, I meet people every day that have been good stewards of their money. They've made a, a sound financial plan, and something's changed. I mean, there's the flood insurance thing affected a lot of people. You could go Nuts. on and on. Oh, Medical absolutely. bills, um, just things that have happened that weren't anticipated. And, you know, it's not so much even the need for the money in a lot of cases. It's the not knowing how much you're going to need. How long am I going to live? So in that respect, the, the standby line of credit is a, a great uh, way for peace of mind because, like I said, if you don't use it, they increase it every year uh, quite a bit, about 4 or 5%. So uh, it can become quite substantial if you set it up and don't use it. So let's use that example of somebody that's got a 300000 they got folks whose house is paid for. It's a $300,000 house, which there's lots of those all over Tampa Bay and really around the country. They, uh, depending on what you're saying, depending on how old they are, they can borrow a certain percentage of that that money, and they can, like you said, you can annuitize it. Basically, what you're just saying is they're gonna, they're gonna, they can get a, a reverse mortgage that will guarantee them a certain amount of income for life. That's one of the options they can just uh, not, get. Not an annuity, but yeah, well, the but same, it's, it's same premise. Yeah. I mean, it's like an annuitization, but it's it, it, yes, not an annuity, but it's like that kind of process where you're guaranteed for life. What what are the downsides of this? What when you look at they've got access to their equity, and you're saying as long as they're alive, their their house isn't going to be taken away from them because they're not paying it back; they're just borrowing the money, and it's accruing interest. Well, they're going to pay it back when the time comes; they no longer live in the house. So okay, so when they sell the house, you decide to move in five years, you sell the house, pay off the balance, and that's the amount you borrowed plus the interest that's accumulated. Correct. There may be some closing costs financed as well, depending on the product. Um, they just pay back whatever's owing, or they live out their days there. So now it's it's 25 years from now, and mom and dad have both passed. So now the heirs have a choice. They can keep the house, in which case they have to pay off the loan with some other funding, a, a new mortgage or, or estate funds or whatever, or in most cases they're going to sell the house. And typically they'll have up to a year to sell the property with no payment due on the mortgage. So there's no rush to get it done. Um, they sell the house, pay off the balance on the loan, Whatever remains still belongs to the to the estate at that point. Other key difference with a reverse mortgage, reverse mortgage is the only kind of residential loan you can get that is non-recourse. So you can't foreclose on the property. Is that well, what you mean by the, recourse? When, uh, when the day comes to sell the house, um, and that's because they moved in five years, which they wouldn't if it was underwater, but let's say they've, they've passed away and, and they're way underwater. It shouldn't happen, but it did just happen with the crash. So... You've got the house that was five hundred thousand. They borrowed two fifty. Now it's worth two twenty five, and they owe three hundred because because the interest is accumulated. Sure. FHA is going to step in and pay the shortfall. There's no personal liability on this loan. Um, so people who got these before the real estate market crashed made out tremendously because in many cases they borrowed more money than the house is worth today. They still stay there for life and they have no personal liability. The house goes back up in value. It's their upside. If if the market doesn't recover, there's no downside. So, but the bottom line was, mom or dad gets to stay in the house as long as they can stay there. They're, nobody's ever going to foreclose it out from under them, like it would with a standard mortgage. There's been uh, there's been a few cases, and and there's been lots of headlines far exceeding the actual problem. But here's here's the responsibilities of the borrower going forward: pay your property taxes, oh, sure. pay your homeowner's insurance maintain the property so it doesn't get condemned, and pay any homeowners association or condo dues. Beyond that, they cannot get foreclosed on. So they're paying their regular monthly maintenance kind of stuff 
Mm-hmm. We're just talking about the mortgages. So, Mac, we were talking before the, about different ways people can utilize the equity in their home. And we talked about people that had full equity in their home. The homes were paid for. But what about people that still have a mortgage? How can this product work for them? Well, that's about half our, our business now is people who have an existing mortgage. So we get a reverse mortgage, pay off the existing mortgage with the reverse mortgage. And now they have no obligation to make monthly mortgage payments going forward. They can if they want. Most people don't, though. So... Uh, you get rid of the principal and interest portion of your mortgage uh, payment. You still have to pay taxes, insurance, maintenance, that sort of thing. But. So instead of having money coming out every month to pay the mortgage, now you are actually, the, I mean, it, you're just going to accrue interest until you sell the home someday. That's exactly right. So it removes right. that foreclosure threat, which is what a lot of people are really scared about. Exactly right. You mentioned a really good point, though. Just because you, the mortgage company's not going to foreclose on you, you still do need to pay your, pay your condo fees. you got to pay your property taxes because, you know what? They need those tax dollars, especially for the roads. If you live in Hillsborough County or Pinellas County or maybe pretty much anywhere in the world, our roads are falling apart. So they need those tax dollars. They need them for the schools. I'm not, yeah, we're not going to get to that conversation. But so you got to pay your property taxes. You got to pay your insurance. You got to pay your condo fees if you live in a condo. Those things are still your responsibility, but you eliminate your house payment. So right. what about, you mentioned, Pam mentioned on the break, uh, about the purchase product. So talk to me about that. I, I don't understand what that means. So you're going to buy a house and then... Get a reverse mortgage? Okay, so let's go back to the original statement I made, I think, that uh, a reverse mortgage is just the same as any other mortgage. So okay. you can use it to pay off an existing mortgage, you can set up a line of credit, or you can you can buy a house. So let's, let's say um, you've got somebody who's looking to retire at some point in the future. They don't have to be, but they want a house with no mortgage payment to live in, uh, possibly the rest of their life. So you've got uh, $200,000 in cash. You can go buy a $200,000 house or you can go buy a $400,000 house using a reverse mortgage to pay the other half of the bill. Approximately a 62-year-old uh, older can get more. But So now you've got a $400,000 house, or with that same $200,000, you could buy a $200,000 house and keep $100,000 in your 401k or investment por- portfolio as a reserve. So either way it works. You can double your purchasing power using a reverse mortgage to buy a house, end up with a house you can live in the rest of your life, with no mortgage payment, when the day comes that you move or, or your kids sell the house down, when you're gone, the equity in the house still belongs to you. And if there is no equity, like you said, the, there's no recourse against the kids. Exactly. Even in that purchase product? Even on, on, on any uh, FHA-insured reverse mortgage, and that's all we sell. So, um, And don't worry about FHA. They've made, this program was signed into law by Ronald Reagan in 1988, and it's, uh, they've made a lot of money with it over the years. And they lost a few uh, dollars the last few years after the crash, but they're back on to- top again now. So it's it's uh, it's not a government bailout program. It's They simply insure the loan. So talk to me about who should use a reverse mortgage and maybe who should not. Talk, let's talk about who should not use a reverse mortgage product. There's been, uh, there's been a lot of financial planning articles lately saying that everybody approaching retirement should look at a reverse mortgage as a potential uh, backup in their retirement. But the the people, the problem with our industry is the way we're structured. You've got the Fred Thompson companies and no slam on them. They're an excellent company. They're huge. They do tremendous volume. But most of the the big national companies you've seen, Henry Winkler probably and Robert Wagner, they're they're spending a fortune on TV. They've got commissioned telemarketers telemarketers selling these things. so the concern for the seniors is not really there too much, I guess. So there's been products sold that should not have been sold to people that 
the, the, the worst example is where a reverse mortgage is not going to fix somebody's financial situation. They can't afford to stay in the house anyway, or they shouldn't be staying in the house anyway. Mm. So that's where, that's where the tragedies have occurred. Um, but the, other than that, it's pretty wide open. I mean, if, if for many people, this just makes a difference between living a comfortable lifestyle in their existing home or being forced to sell and move, downsize, or rent. If you want to find out more about a reverse mortgage, you'd like to get a copy. They've got a, a copy of a book. We're willing to give away multiple copies today. A retirement planning guide using your ha- using your house for income in retirement. So this is really is this describing how reverse mortgages really work and different ways it can be put into into practice. Is that what it is, Mac? Yeah, we we encourage everybody to research these things on their own. Don't don't take your hairdresser's word for it. It's uh because that literally has happened. Uh, this this is a study done by. Uh, I don't Boston. have a hairdresser, Mac. That was really kind of a low blow. <laughs> the center for uh, there's no video. <laughs> this was done by the uh, Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. So it's a very credible source. It's an independent source, and it talks about reverse mortgages, but it talks about how to use your house for income and retirement in general. Other other ways too. So excellent study. Um, we bought up uh, a large quantity of these, and we do provide them because we do encourage people to research. It's, but the people got to understand what they're doing. Hey, and you can find out, you can connect up with Mac and Pam. Again, their website, accessreversemortgage.com, or you can call them at 727-347-0305, and we'll put that all out on Facebook tonight. You've also got an 800 number, don't you? I wrote that down. We do. Uh, 800 888-340-0305. That's true. That's yep. pretty slick how you got the last four digits to be exactly the same. Just coincidence. I like the, oh, come on. <laughs> Not a chance. When you guys look at the people that you've been able to help in the last 11 years, what's been the biggest blessing in helping people gain access to something that they didn't know, there was no vehicle to do it before? What's been the biggest blessing, Mac? Oh, no question. The, the um, chance to meet a lot of people a lot of times in, in transitional stages in their lives is given... Uh, all of us, many opportunities to witness and uh, uh, to pray with people. Uh, there's, there's, uh, to me, this isn't for everybody. And it's to talk to somebody who's been recently widowed uh, is not unusual. And uh, that's, that would be a situation. But also people that, for one reason or another, got into a financial situation. The, I mean, the mortgage industry has just been a disaster, the forward mortgage industry <laughs> for the last All of us years in Florida, so. we totally understand with you. And <laughs> so... Uh, to me, that just the number of people I've met that, that are believers already that, that uh, I can interact with or, or that I've had a chance to witness to. And I would say I've lost a couple of deals over maybe being overly zealous. But uh, for the most part, even uh, non-believers, as you know, welcome the opportunity for prayer. And, oh, and, absolutely. They're just uh, so, most of the times, people are so, so very grateful. How about kids? Kids that you have done the reverse mortgages for parents have they come back and thanked you for helping your, their parents out really quick? Kids are almost unanimously in favor of these. It's very often they say, well, we were helping them out already, or uh, it's their money, spend it. They got me through medical school or whatever. So, right. Yeah. Mac, during the break, you were talking about how, how you had, had given your life to Christ before you moved back here in 2004, but you really weren't walking for the Lord. And Pam, you didn't know the Lord yet. But yet you guys, how did you guys end up at Indian Rocks? Well, don't fight. Just go ahead. One of you go. Well, back in the uh, Christmas time of 2004, uh, my daughter and I are actually it was in about October. We had decided to move back to Florida, 
And uh, we, Mac and I came looking for a school for our daughter who was in 10th grade at the time and uh, checked out all the different schools and just happened to be referred to Indian Rocks Christian School. And we thought, well, you know, I wasn't walking with the Lord at all. I wasn't saved. So uh, we decided to check it out. And when we left, we said there must be something in the water there because everybody was so nice and it was amazing. That's where we met Martha. Well, so and- you had an incredible <laughs> registrar experience that day, didn't you? Yes, yeah, we did. That's right. And, and the kids were happy. Yeah. They were high-fiving yeah. the principal. Yeah. Oh, anyway. And they still are today. Teenagers. I, mean, I know. I know. Perry Bansy does an yeah. amazing job as a principal. Yeah. So is that how you got connected to the church then? You, yes. you decided to put your daughter in Indian Rocks Christian School, and then you just started attending First Baptist Indian Rocks. We didn't immediately start attending because we weren't sure that that was where we would, you know, we wanted to check out some others, but we kept being drawn there and uh, started going faithfully um, in the spring of 2005 and then that's what got us into missions. In the summer of 2005, we saw a trip going to Russia, and uh, I felt the calling, and I felt Mac was called, too. I don't know <laughs> if he was. But <laughs> Mac, it's good when your wife is feeling a calling for you. <laughs> yeah. So we right. decided to go on that trip, and uh, the rest is history. We've been involved ever since. So when did you give your life to Christ? Was it on that trip to Russia, or was it before that? Uh, no, it was actually... Uh, Actually, it was before that. It was in June of 2005. That's fantastic. What was the turning point for you? What was the what was the point in your life, Pam, where you said, ah, I really do need to give my life to Christ? I mean, what, what was it that finally got you to that point where you said, nope, I'm making a decision. I'm going all in. Uh, it was at a Kenny Evans concert at our church, and I, I finally got the nerve to go forward. Um, I'm a little bit of a nervous person speaking or getting up in front of people. But you're doing great right now. uh, Listening to Pastor Charlie for many, many sermons. I know I was saved before that, but at that point I I made it public. Got it. That's really, really cool. So God brought you on. I mean, he started stretching, and I didn't realize in 2005 that you guys had gone to Russia. So right away, new in your faith, you guys go to Russia. And we're not going to talk about any of the cities that you go to because we don't want to implicate any missionaries because even if they're still there today, you can't talk about them because <laughs> Russia's not exactly pro-Christian anymore again. So what what was that experience like for you guys as as a, as a married couple, as business owners, as moms and dads? How did it impact you, Mac? Well, I, I think the biggest thing was seeing how... We forgot to ask. She felt that you were led to go, but did you go? Yes. Okay, we, all right, we just went. check it. Uh, right. It really opened my eyes as to what missions are all about. The I didn't really understand the concept previously. Uh, the First, the perception that North Americans are all Christians. By the, the rest of the world believes that. And the, and the exposure to North American culture is primarily Hollywood. So... Being able to go and be examples of, of decent people to the Russian people was the first big thing that, that I saw how that impacted them, the, the difference there. And the, to, to me, if you did nothing else but that, that would accomplish a lot. Then the other is to, to support the work of the missionaries on the ground and whatever they're doing. Were you working with indigenous missionaries or uh, Western sent missionaries? Uh, Western sent. Okay. And, yeah. So, Pam, how did that trip because you've been now on how many missions trips since 2005? A dozen? Uh, not quite. I think nine. But it was just like it's pretty stinking close. Right? It's a lot. I know you've gone a lot. How, has, how did that first trip shift permanently shift the paradigm of your life? Uh, it, it gave me, it's hard to say, the first mission trip I, I really enjoyed. I don't know if it was something that really 
uh, I think the second trip, probably more so. Uh, the first trip, I enjoyed it. It was traveling. Again, I was new believers, so I was excited. But um, I think every trip that I've gone on since has made made it just much more of a something that I just feel called that I need to do. Where was the second trip to? The second trip was to Brazil. Okay. So again, not a, uh, a, a, were you going to meet with indigenous missionaries in Brazil, or was that with uh, Western Scent missionaries? Uh, it was Western Scent, but it was at the Ami Training Center, oh. which is all um, indigenous Indian um, tribes that come from all over. Um, what a, it's a school. What a, yeah, what a great school. There's a, a missionary school outside of the Amazon jungle, about 12 hours from Rio by driving, or three hours by flight, where... They, you're not allowed to bring, although they, Brazil does it, you're not allowed to bring a white guy into the, the jungles, but you can, you can take the Indians out of the jungle, which they're called, I mean, Brazilian, they're native Brazilian Amazon forest people out and train them up in Christ and bring them back to their villages to actually train them up. Good friends of ours down there in Brazil, but it is what an amazing thing. So when you did that first trip to Brazil, Pam, what was the impact? That was the, you said that was your paradigm shift. What did you learn? Again, just like Max said, that not because we didn't speak the language, they're either Portuguese, and in that case in Brazil, most of them speak all different languages, um, depending on which tribe they're from. But just to be examples, um, you know, with the children working construction side by side, I helped do brick laying on that trip and working side by side. Well, with your huge biceps, I can see how that was a big <laughs> advantage for you. <laughs> it was really fun, too. Did they have to make the bricks? Because I mean, they're, in, they're in a plateau. I know that it can be cold in the middle of summer and warm. I mean, did you have to make the bricks or were they already made? They were made. Okay. We went to a place where the guy made them, but he was making them just on a creek bed. It was. You know, I mean, it's, they're in a pretty, they're a pretty rural area. <laughs> All right. So when you look at the, okay, so you've been on nine trips. And I know some of your last, the, the trips, those, those first couple of trips were to fairly safe places. I know of many of your latest trips have been to places that you wouldn't classify as even remotely safe for anybody from the United States. That's true. Uh, probably the one that uh, I wasn't worried about going, but family were worried is the trip that I went to Lebanon, and I happened to land the day before Osama bin Laden was taken. So that people were nervous about me being there, but um, I've only been there once. Uh, most recently, I was in North Africa in April, and then just last month again, and I've been there five times. And those are, that's a place that uh, uh, amazing couples and uh, really just an amazing ministry to places where uh, typically, I mean, you're going there under the medical missions. Wasn't that what you're going to do? Talk about what you're doing when you go. Uh, It just depends. Um, I've done two medical mission trips there. I'm not in the medical field at all. So I just go as a helper, uh, which is probably easier than being medical. And uh, I've, the last one I did a they call a backpack trip. They give backpacks with school supplies to the children. The children there, up in the, they're up way up high in the mountains and villages where they can't afford school supplies. And without school supplies, they can't go to school. So, oh man, we yeah. handed out two thousand backpacks. Pam always says to me, uh, "You're never safer than in the center of God's will." And when you're on a mission trip, I think that's true. That's yeah. that's a good one, Mac, because you guys have gone to some places which even made me nervous. But I love that. You're never safer than the center of God's will. And really, it, whether it's your time to go, I mean, you, I was reading an article because it's the 50th anniversary of um, 
the two guys that got uh, killed tip in the spear. Yeah, tip of the spear. So uh, Mr. Saint and what was the other guy's name? Well, I can't think of his names. But the, the the pilots that got killed by the indigenous, but then their wives went back in. Why well, I'm just drawing a blank. But the impact that were that was made by their deaths. I mean hundreds and thousands of people who come to Christ in that Ecuadorian region. It was just amazing. Talk to me about the impact on your marriage. Obviously, your faith has made a big impact on your marriage. How how, how have these mission trips made an impact on your marriage, Mac? Definitely has brought us closer together. I mean, the, I think the biggest effect is we're still married. So <laughs> prior to walking with the Lord, we, we uh, were uh, living kind of the high life, I guess you'd say. We, you know, good seats at the hockey games and the football games and all that stuff and spent a lot of time partying and, and not uh, anything like our lives today in many ways. But uh, in, in that respect, I think it's been extremely positive for our marriage. It's, I'm, I'm one of 10 kids. I'm the only one with my original spouse. So wow. I, I credit the Lord for that. Wow. Yeah. That's a staggering statistic. Now, you're because you guys didn't come to Christ till later in life, how are your kids responding to your growth in your faith? Well, well it that, depends on which child. We have four, so... Well, that's okay. Uh, but, I mean, they're, they're watching you. I mean, how, how are they responding? Because that's, that's a tough one, because they didn't grow up in it, but they've been watching the transformation of their parents' lives. I believe in most cases they really respect it. I think that they're... Um, that we're setting good examples now. Unfortunately, we didn't as they were growing up. They're all... Our youngest is going to be 26 tomorrow. Um the older three are all married, but um, you know, that's I, definitely my biggest re- regret is that we didn't give our kids a foundation and a good Bible-believing church. We, we they went they went to church all the time growing up, all their, their childhood. But the churches were were liberal and and just until we got to Indian Rocks, we didn't understand uh, a true walk with the Lord and. Uh, that is a big regret. Oh, I, would, I wouldn't live in that regret. I'd live in the fact that it, what's so cool is that your kids got to see your lives transformed right before their very eyes. For how, And that's why I brought that up, because I know that parents that come, to, they didn't raise their kids in, so the kids don't necessarily respond right away because they probably think you're crazy. But then for them to be able to see that transformation, because you're different people today than you were a decade ago. I mean, yeah. and the amazing no work of Christ in your life, that's just the really, really cool thing. Where's your next trip going to be? Where, where are you going on your next mission trip? We're going to India in February with mm. Operation Mobilization. Wow, OM to India. Now, what are you, are you going to go then work with an indigenous pastor there? Uh, it's schools with the Dalits, which are the uh, the poorest of the poor. They are uh, mm. very low class, or the lowest of all, and uh, it's a vision trip for the church, basically. Wow, to wow. see if there's something for future. What's amazing about the Indian people is how smart they are. And uh, I mean, I, there's so many great mission organizations being run in India. And what's amazing is if you can if you could support an indigenous Indian missionary for about one-tenth the cost it, sends to, it costs to send a Western missionary there. So so much great work to be done there. So Mac, let me just ask this question. Your life in Christ and running this business, Access Reverse Mortgage, and going on all these short-term mission trips, how does that impact how you do business? I think it's really helped with trust. One thing about organizing mission trips, we've led a few of them. Without exception, forget the plans you make. God has his own plan. And uh, I've I've seen every trip we go on, there's there's attacks. You, you feel them as, as you approach the day. The plans change, but you just trust God that, that there is a plan. It's a better plan. And I've learned that in business now, too, that 
we went through some very tough years during the market crash yes. and uh, thousands of companies like ours shut down and we didn't. And uh, that's, that's, I prayed many times, uh, God, if you want us to get out of this business, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, uh, without fail, he's been faithful. He's answered. He, he's uh, blessed us when we needed it. And so I, I think just the faith is stronger. The trust is stronger. So when you go to India, Pam, are you going to be able to use any of the business skills that you have to touch the lives of people there? That's a good question. I really don't know the answer to that. We're going to be going to schools and things. I, I would challenge you. I had, a, I had a business leader on here last week, and he teaches leadership stuff. And, and he just went to Paraguay, and he was able to teach local business people some leadership principles through an interpreter. All of our business skills are desperately needed in those third world countries. And so sure. don't don't forget that part when you guys go. I want to thank you guys for a great conversation today. It was a lot of fun. We could have learned a lot more, I'm sure, but thanks for being open and transparent. It was a lot of good, lot, good time. All right, you've been listening to I Work For Him. Thanks for tuning in. Whether you've been in your car or listening on the air, maybe a podcast later on. I really appreciate your support. Thanks to uh, Jose Cruz for doing a great job today, taking all those phone calls, giving away all those books. Thanks to our show sponsors. You can find out lots more about them on our website, iworkforhim.com. What a great way to find out. And just click on the links to their sites and find out more about them, these guys that support the show each and every day. When you get home tonight, just do me a special favor. Go out to iworkforhim.com tonight and click on the I Work For Him Nation tab and commit tonight to starting to pray for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Don't go away. Just got a couple more seconds. How are you going to take this city for Jesus Christ? You know, we learned today that our faith can be impacted by the people we do business with. And a lot of times, God never wastes the experiences that we have in the day-to-day of serving people. And you look at the job that Mac and Pam Tennant get to do each and every day. They get to help seniors, young seniors and older seniors, find access to the equity in their homes so they don't have to lose their homes, so they don't have to lose their independence. And really, that's a kingdom purpose. It's a good thing that they get to do each and every day. And it also provides, it can provide an ongoing revenue stream for these people so they can stay where they are. What a great way to do it. Each one of us every day gets a chance to minister to those people around us. What is it that you do that changes and impacts the people's lives around you in a positive way? Maybe it's just doing a great job in what you do. Keep in mind that just doing a job with excellence brings glory to our Heavenly Father. And we need to take those jobs seriously because He can be glorified by washing great dishes or maybe just changing oil on somebody's car. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.